Trigger warning, this episode does contain discussions of trauma and sexual violence that may be disturbing or triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Callie. And I'm Rachel. And we are Pelvic Service Announcement. Hello. Hello. And welcome. Welcome. To another sex episode. (laughs) It's been a while since we've done an episode about sex. It really has. It's been long overdue. But here we are. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. This week, we're going to be specifically talking about pain with sex. And we've touched on this in several episodes. We talked about kind of ways to get around pain with sex in the Valentine's Day episode. But we haven't really just talked in depth about pain with sex. We did kind of a sexual dysfunction episode. But this one is just all about pain with sex because it's really, really common. It's really common. I found a statistic that said 20 to 50% of women will struggle with it at some point. And that is something that I want to point out too. There is a huge gap in research when it comes to pain with sex, unfortunately. The vast majority, if you just look up pelvic pain, just pelvic pain, the vast majority of articles and research and statistics that you're going to get is going to be specifically cisgendered women. And that's just unfortunately where a big, big gap in research lies. And thankfully, we are getting newer and newer research that is looking into implications and complications and treatment options and all the things for um, for people who are transgender, for people who are transitioning, for men with pelvic pain, for pain with anal sex and everything like that. Like we don't really, that's just not there in the research right now, which is unfortunate. So a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about today is just things that we do have the research on, which is going to be primarily for women. However, there is some research on some chronic pelvic pain issues in men as well, kind of some post-ejaculatory pain. Um, And a lot of the symptoms and a lot of the causes, etiologies, management, things like that, when it comes to vaginal pain, typically with penetration, can also be applied to anal sex as well. So if you are somebody that enjoys anal sex, like some of these things can apply as well. Now, granted, the structures are a little bit different. The anus is not meant to be a receptacle of any sort of penetration. So there is that complicating factor, um, but there are ways to kind of improve ease of penetration and limit some pain with that as well. So I just want to throw that out there as a caveat. The research is lacking here. Right. And so that's why, like she said, the primary focus of this is going to be women. We do have like the two therapists here that treat men. A big part of their population have some kind of pain, not a big part, but part of their population is men that have pain with intercourse, whether that's post-ejaculatory pain. Like a lead our boss has talked about a patient who said every time he ejaculated, it felt like he was ejaculating shards of glass. Yeah. So this isn't just women, but that is where we found the majority of our research. That's what we treat. 
that's the majority of our listener population is female. So that's kind of the aspect we're addressing this from today. And when, and like I said, a lot of it can be applied to um, some of that anal penetration as well. So just keep that in mind. Absolutely. So the technical or medical term for pain with sex is dyspareunia, which is defined as recurrent or persistent genital pain associated with sexual intercourse, marking distress of or distress or interpersonal difficulty. So essentially, that's just to say unwanted pain with intercourse is what we are talking about. There's several different ways you can kind of break up or classify this pain with sex or dyspareunia. It can be deep dyspareunia, and that's typically the patients that come in and they tell me, I don't have pain with sex except for in certain positions, Mm -hmm. which typically is those deeper penetrating positions like doggy style or just those positions that get that deeper penetration. And that's typically what people say is, as long as it's in a certain position, I'm fine. If we try other positions, then I start having pain. Then there's something that's known as superficial dyspareunia, which is any pain in the vulval vaginal area, specifically with that initial penetration. So that is, if you think back to our anatomy episode, we talked about that urogenital triangle, that first layer that's going to be in that superficial category. If you have pain or dysfunction in those muscles, typically what you'll experience is the superficial um, dyspareunia. Now, superficial dyspareunia can just be with that initial penetration or it can continue throughout the entire length of the intercourse. And this goes for vaginal and anal penetration as well. Yes. Primary dyspareunia, which that occurs, it means the first time you have sex, it's painful and it keeps being painful. So it just, it's like it sounds, it's from the first time and it keeps being painful. Secondary dyspareunia occurs when you've had sex and it wasn't painful, but then all of a sudden something happens and it starts being painful. In this one, if you come in and you tell me all of a sudden you start having pain with sex, that's when I'm going to start asking quite a bit of questions. So what happened? Did... Like, I'll have a patient say, oh, I was had pain-free sex until I was 18. Like, okay, what happened when you were 18? Is, it, is there some psychological factors? Did you have a physical trauma? Did you fall on your tailbone? Did you have some physical pain? Did you have a surgery? What happened? What changed to make you go from sex was not painful to all of a sudden now it is? I had a patient... Similarly, along those same lines, she was in her 70s, I believe, and had a great sex life, had a great marriage, had all the great things, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, sex started to become painful, and to the point where her and her husband didn't have sex for 15 years because it was just, it was too painful. It took its toll on them and on their relationship and on their, their sexual relationship. And so they just didn't, they didn't have any sex of any kind for 15 years. And so she comes in and she was like, it was about 20 years ago that sex started to become painful. And same thing. I was like, okay, what happened? 
around that time. And she was just like, I don't know. Like there wasn't anything in particular, um, nothing that I can think of. You know, it wasn't like some big catastrophic event, no surgeries, no, um, no issues, nothing. And so I was like, mm, okay. So we kind of start keep, you know, we keep going through the exam and everything, keep asking all my questions and everything. And I'm explaining to her what the internal exam is going to look like. And I always say, I'm like, if at any point you are uncomfortable or you are in pain, tell me and we're done. Like no questions asked. Like you have complete control throughout the entire process, throughout the entire exam. And she was like, that makes me feel very comfortable. I was molested when I was four by my uncle. And she goes, I didn't remember it until I was about 50. I had blocked it out. Like I completely like suppressed those memories and it didn't come back to me until I was 50. And I looked at her and I was like, so is that about when sex started to become painful? And it was like a light bulb went off. Like you could just see her face. She just like this moment of realization. She was like, I didn't even think about that. Never made that connection. And so it kind of goes back into, you know, the body remembers trauma Mm -hmm. and especially if it's a repressed memory or repressed trauma if we're not working through it and if we don't address the psychological side of things as well as the physical side of things a lot of times those symptoms persist and so one of the biggest things that I found in my research about this was the correlation and kind of the co-treatment of the physical side of things as well as the mental side of things. Pelvic floor physical therapy was referenced as a great option for dyspronia throughout research on top of cognitive behavioral therapy Mm -hmm. every single time. So again, the body remembers certain traumas and certain triggers even if we think that I had one patient, she was like, I thought that I had worked through my trauma and then something happened and I feel like I'm right back to square one. And I'm like, okay, like, let's talk about it. And so again, we just have to, we got to address both, both sides of things, all sides of things. And it doesn't even have to be, when we say stress and trauma, it doesn't even necessarily have to be sexual trauma or something like that. It can be something not that this is minor, but say you change jobs or you're a new mom raising toddlers and they're just the stress of life. And it can be a more gradual onset. Like maybe one day it starts, sex is just a little, slightly bit uncomfortable, but you keep going and it keeps getting more and more uncomfortable or to the point where it's not painful, but it's not comfortable. It's not where you can find pleasure. Your body's not experiencing that arousal response because it's uncomfortable and then that further perpetuates this cycle of your body just starts to recognize okay sex is painful so this our response is a pain response rather than an arousal response and it just kind of keeps feeding and feeding and feeding and so identifying what the trigger is and learning to associate intercourse intimacy with positive experiences with the arousal response rather than a stress response or a pain response is going to be key in treating it. And so that's why if there is some kind of specifically sexual trigger, you've got to have that cognitive behavioral therapy in conjunction with physical therapy. It helps so, 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 so much with positive feedback. Um, 
The book that I'm reading right now is called Body Keeps the Score. Not to spoil anything, but it will be our next book club, which we realized we've got a few months without doing book club, but we're getting there. Um, This book is just really dense. But one of the things that he talks about in this book, again, it's called Body Keeps the Score. We'll have a whole episode on it later. But he talks about the importance of positive feedback of getting that individual in whatever situation it was that kind of triggered this trauma response or triggers this stress response and then getting positive feedback in that situation to help to rewire the brain again we talked about how our brain makes associations um i think it was two episodes ago, a couple episodes ago, um, our body makes these quick associations and our brain makes these quick associations and it helps us to not only survive as a species, but sometimes it's not always a good association. Sometimes it's not, you know, we associate, you know, the summertime with ice cream. Like it's not always, you know, that, that good feedback. And sometimes we need kind of that repetitive, input of positive feedback in that sexual situation so that way the next memory that we have you know like okay last time I had sex it was not painful it was really comfortable it was really good had a great orgasm I was happy partner was happy good to go not that response of nope my muscle spasmed I shut down it hurt so bad I cried like things like that are not what we want and so again if we're addressing the cognitive side of things as well as the physical side of things getting good cognitive input and good physical input and that can be something that you and your partner work on together especially like get them included get them you know involved in in the process because they're there too they're part of it too and that is what is so huge because most of the patients that come in here and they have the they struggle with pain with sex their partner has no idea Mm -hmm. they just they tell me I just get through sex for them like it hurts it's awful I just like get through it and that's not good because that is enforcing that negative feedback you are continuing to enforce they feel out of control they feel like they have no control because they're not having sex for themselves they're just trying to get through it get through the pain not an active participant just someone who is bearing sex or getting through it and that should never ever ever be anybody's sexual experience you should never get through it so that communication with your partner is huge and I'll tell patients figure out what you can handle and especially if it's someone who had trauma in a situation they didn't feel like they were in control I'm like it's gonna feel awkward but communicate it to your partner ahead of time and then you take control of the situation you only allow what is enjoyable for you and not painful for you and if it's painful stop do something else I'm not saying you can't have any form of intimacy I'm saying you take the intimacy the control of that and make it a positive experience and it's not forever like it's not a we do this for forever this is how it has to be but we've got to reestablish that safety and that pleasure response with sex instead of just the out of control and the pain response so that's huge communication behavior all of that is huge in this it's not just let's work on some muscles go to therapy (laughs) that's your psa this week is just to go to therapy the last um, form of dyspareunia i have on here is postpartum dyspareunia so i found a statistic from an article called 
the efficacy of manual therapy for treatment of dyspareunia in females, a systematic review. This was published in 2019, so pretty new. But it said, after their first vaginal delivery, 41% of women have pain with sex three months postpartum, and 22% are still having pain with sex six months postpartum. So that's a pretty significant amount of people. That's a lot. And at six weeks, you're cleared to have intercourse. Yeah. Um, And these people are still having pain, but the doctor's like, go for it. And it's like, there's a lot of contributing factors to why we have pain with sex postpartum. There's a lot of perennial stretching that happens with birth. A lot. You can have lacerations. You can get sclerotic healing from episiotomies. Um, we've also got a lot of lack of circulating estrogen, especially for breastfeeding. We've All talked about this. And then there's a huge psychosexual component to this. Your oh body is different. Your body probably looks different. It's feeling different. You're if you're you're caring for a human, a, a little tiny human is now your responsibility. You're also probably feeding that. If you're breastfeeding, you're feeding that human from your body. And so your body, a lot of what I've heard people say, they don't feel like a sexual person. So there's all these complicating factors postpartum that can cause this pain with intercourse. And again, communication is going to be absolutely huge during this time. Yeah, I can't tell you how many of my patients come see me postpartum and they're just like, it just, it feels different. It feels different. I'm like, yeah, you just pushed a human out of there. Mm-hmm. Like, these things take time. These things take time, especially if it was a large baby. Like Kelly said, if you had any scar tissue, lacerations, anything like that. And, you know, now you have this human child literally leeching on you for food and sustenance. And it feels it feels different. Every, everything's different everything's different but that's why you come see us we're in your corner we're going to help you we're going to make sure that those muscle tissues are functioning appropriately and all the things kelly's got a little smirk on her face like she's got something to share because i have this article i've I've looked at several but this one was my favorite and this is talking specifically about manual therapies or some of the internal treatments we do in here i know that's nobody's favorite thing to do but the research shows it's crazy effective, especially in treating dyspareunia or pain with sex. And so they looked at this systematic review, which is one of the highest forms of evidence, by the way. And they found that all of the studies, so they used, let me back up. They used um, the female sexual function index, which is just basically almost like a pain scale, but for sexual function, just to figure out what your quality of function is sexual function is. And this is for women who had dyspareunia or pain with sex. And the results showed that there were significant improvements in the pain domain of the female sexual function index, corroborating manual therapy as a viable treatment in relieving pain associated with dyspareunia. That is beautiful. Every single study they looked at showed that with this physical therapy treatment, that pain got significantly better. Amazing. So I just thought that was really, really awesome. Really good information. So with that being said, if pain with sex is what you're coming to see us for, be prepared that we are going to recommend an internal exam and internal treatment. 
kind of like what we talked about with the pelvic wands, like that ischemic compression, that internal release helps to restore blood flow, bring all the good nutrients, all the good healing to those muscles, relax those muscles, um, in a way that is going to allow for pain-free penetration. I have, I'm on like a dyspernia kick right now. I have so many patients that have it right now and they're all thriving. They're doing so, so good, especially with using, you know, internal release in clinic and also getting them hooked up with a pelvic wand, making sure they know how to use it properly, when to use it, all that good stuff. Um, It just, it helps so, so much. It really, really does. The way that I kind of explain it to my patients, I'm like, okay, if you have, like, if you were to walk or like if you had your bicep contracted, right? Like if you were just flexing your bicep and then Arnold Schwarzenegger comes along and tries to rip your arm straight and like force that bicep muscle to like relax, that's going to hurt like no other. You're probably going to do some muscle tissue damage too, especially if that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Um, That's kind of what happens with penetration, especially if those muscles are spasmed, if they are not prepared, if you're stressed, if you're holding tension, if you're contracting. Again, when our body expects pain, our muscles contract, to put it simply, as simply as I can. And so if you're expecting pain and if you're expecting that penetration to hurt and you're kind of braced and tensed up and, you know, grimacing for it, then yeah, it's going to hurt. So that's kind of why we do that internal release. Again, why we do these manual techniques and these manual therapies is because it just, it does all the good things for those muscles. And I know a lot of people do it differently, but I think we all have a pretty similar approach when you're in here. And when we're working on that, it's a very, like, you're not just coming here and I'm working on your pelvic floor. We work together. I'm having you utilize relaxation techniques while we do it. There's a huge communication but like what you're feeling I'm having you tell me what you're feeling I'm showing you what that muscle rest feels like so we're working together it's not like you just lay on the table and I stretch your pelvic floor right it's not like a massage right it's it's a very active teamwork type of situation and for a lot of patients so let me back up if you do have a trauma and you feel comfortable disclosing that to your pelvic floor therapist, that can significantly help that examination and treatment process when it comes to internal exams. And a lot of times you can, I'll notice it, if somebody has a trauma and they haven't disclosed it because almost every time their body tells you. Oh, arms crossed over their eyes or eyes squeezed shut, can't make eye contact, they're looking away. Everything else is tense. You can tell they're trying to relax their legs and their pelvic floor, but there's sometimes there's just a lot of tension. And if I see that, I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, no, Mm -hmm. not happening today. We're covering you right back up and we're going to sit and we're going to chat because that is, again, not a response. We want that good input. We want a good input. And if we continue and if we if we just kind of like force that internal on you and we're like, yep, nope, we're going to do it anyway. And if we ignore kind of what's clearly going on in your head, we're just perpetuating that negative input yep. even more. And that is not what we want at all. My whole goal for an internal examination is that the patient feels like they are in control. Absolutely. I want you to feel like you tell me when we start, you tell me when we need to stop. We're working together. You've, we're there for you 
And your response to that is probably arguably the most important part because the whole point of it is that you're learning to relax your muscles. And if Mm -hmm. you're miserable and you're tight and you can't, and sometimes people think they can tolerate it and then they can't. And so day one, if I see that response, we stop, we talk. Sometimes people will disclose things, sometimes not. But the next time when they verbalize they're okay with trying that internal treatment again, I start so slow and I'm like, I'm going to start here. You tell me when I can move my hand. You tell me, all right, tell me when you're ready for me to start the treatment, start the exam, insert my finger, all these things, giving the control back to that patient. And a lot of times it really helps them to feel in control to take back that power. And then they learn, okay, this is what I this is how I can relax when it comes to other forms of penetration, like intimacy. And so giving them back that power, even in treatment, especially in treatment is huge just to start reinforcing the, the positive. Absolutely. And I had one patient who was having not excruciating pain with sex, but significant pain with sex and she you know we were working on down training and relaxing and I got her a pelvic wand and all the things and she was doing so good and she comes back to see me a couple weeks you know we had, we had been gone taking a little bit of a break she was doing so well I was like let's give it a shot you know let's see how you do over the next couple weeks and she comes back in and she was like I have been able to separate from my vagina in a sexual way mm-hmm and she was like that is one of the biggest breakthroughs that I've ever had as as a grown adult woman is that these are muscles it's not just a sexual organ there are so many other things that go into this and she's like especially when I'm using my pelvic wand I don't see it as a sexual act I don't see it as any as sexual in any way shape or form she's like I'm doing healthcare. it's like I'm stretching it's like I'm working out like it's I've been able to completely dissociate the two and get, you know, sexual in this context, not sexual in this context. And I think that's huge. And it's, that's such a big thing because so many people that anything when it comes to the vagina, it's all sexual, even though that's not the vagina's only function. Okay. Our hands can be used to hit people, but that's not, we don't consider our hands just a violent tool right there's so many other things it can do and it's the vagina is the same way or the penis or whatever there's so many other functions it's not just a sexual organ and so especially if you have maybe that trauma where you've got that negative sexual response if you can separate it out when it comes to working on it and see this is muscles I'm working on muscles that can even help reinforce the good things Um, But we're not just going to do internal treatment. There's, and I think that's another misconception is, okay, pain with sex, just internal treatment. Be prepared. That will be part of it. But there's so many other things. Reinforcing good movement patterns, looking at any kind of muscle imbalances. Um, I love hip mobs for um, pain with intercourse. And I found if I, if someone has a ton of pain with an internal exam, starting with hip mobs just helps to relax that tissue. I literally will just like sit there and play with their hips for a while. And people love it. They love it. It just relaxes everyone. Yeah. 
Um, I think another big one is just kind of recommendations. We're going to talk about sex a lot. And especially if that's like the only reason that you're coming or the main reason that you're coming to see us, I'm going to be like, okay, I need you to tell me exactly what position you're in. I'm going to need you to tell me exactly how fast you're going, what the rate is, depth of penetration, everything. That way we can work on it in here and not necessarily specifics, but you know, if you have pain in certain positions, I usually recommend my patients get on top. I'm like, if you have pain with sex and you're female with a male partner, get on top. You can control the depth of penetration. You control everything. everything. It puts so much power back into your hands and takes away a lot of the anxiety side of things. He's not going to give some random thrust out of the middle of nowhere that you're not expecting. You control the rate, the depth, the speed, the rhythm. If you need to adjust because maybe you're having a little bit of discomfort, you can make that adjustment. He's none the wiser. He's just happy to be involved and you can do whatever it is that you need to do and you also have to be present it doesn't allow like or some other positions if you're having pain you can just stop and kind of shut down when you're on top you kind of have to stay present yeah that's an we should we could have a whole episode just on like dissociation and like zoning out because i'll have a lot of patients that just zone out Mm -hmm. during the internal exam and i'm like hey uh -uh." like like, i need you to look at me Yeah, yeah i need you to be here um for sure for sure yeah I also, when you come to see us for pain with intercourse, we're going to give you kind of a regiment, a a plan, a game plan of how to deal with the pain with sex. So we're going to give you tips, techniques, breathing, stretches, all these things you can do before, during, after to help make it an enjoyable process to help prepare those muscles to give you the best chance for success. So we're going to get way too personal with you we're going to ask you all the things but then we're going to give you some real world tools my least favorite thing is when someone tell we've talked about this oh that hurts just don't do it like no realistically um for a lot of people intimacy is a huge part of their relationship and, and it should be and so my goal is to never fully take that away from patients to whatever their comfort or desire level is. Now I have some patients that are like, I'm not sexually active with my husband. I have no desire to be. That's not I'm like, okay, that's where you're at right now. That's fine. But I have patients who are like, yeah, I want to enjoy it, but it hurts. It, okay. Let's find other things. So maybe find where it doesn't hurt you. Maybe you just participate in oral sex while we're working on this, whatever it is. Let's work together to find, again, all about that positive reinforcement. And so sometimes that to patients is like, I'm like, you don't have to have penis and vagina penetrative sex to have intimacy. Yeah. And people are like, what? Yeah. Just do other stuff. Like just do foreplay. Like do other things. Do the things that you know feel good. I also hate when a patient comes in there like, yeah, I've been having painful sex for years and all my doctor has ever told me to do is drink more wine and use more foreplay and use more lube that makes me want to rip my hair out yeah because that's not the answer no that's That's not not the the answer answer. that's not addressing the physical causes of pain with sex that's not addressing the cognitive problems of that go hand in hand with pain with sex um, or the cognitive implications and it's 
arguably doing more damage because you're basically telling them, oh, it's all in your head. And you're not Just, validating exactly, the patient. Exactly. Like, the amount of, and I say women because it seems to be more prevalent in women and that's what I see, but the amount of times women are not validated in our healthcare system bugs me. Oh, that's a whole soapbox. It's a whole episode. <sighs> like, I, I've had patients one of my patients and this is my patient one so I'll just go ahead and get it out the way early she just got she recently got discharged but she had pain with sex for years for years and the only reason she got referred to me was because she had had a baby and was it, she it was to the point she couldn't have sex anymore she was in so much pain and they were like, okay, well, you had a baby, so, like, we'll give you a pelvic floor physical therapy referral. When she had been telling doctors for years that she was having pain and having problems, but it wasn't until she had a baby that she was validated in that. And what frustrates me even more is it didn't even take that much to fix the problem. Of course. I mean, it just took teaching her how to relax her muscles, a little bit of internal, following, following it up with some good movement, strengthening some imbalances, and she did phenomenal and was like this is like it's been years since she was she's able to climax feels fantastic no pain it wasn't that hard of a fix we could have fixed it years ago but she just wasn't validated wasn't heard and that that, breaks my heart that bugs me which it's getting better especially around here we've got a lot of doctors around here who are very very educated who are on top of it who are listening and helping our women and I love that that is the shift but it's just gone on for too long like I said it could be a whole nother episode a whole soapbox but so that being said advocate for yourself if you have pain with sex know that it is not normal know that you are not alone and know that There is treatment options out there for you, including pelvic floor physical therapy. We would be more than happy to come treat you. Absolutely. Or for you to come in. We don't come. We don't make house calls. Not yet anyway. (laughs) Maybe one of these days. Um, I want to talk, just touch on real quick. Again, there's not much research out there for men. Um, but I do want to talk about why sex can be painful for men as well. Um, one of those is STIs. Um, any sort of infections can cause some burning or some itching, um, which can definitely be painful, make any sort of touching, stimulation, penetration of any kind painful and uncomfortable. Um, foreskin problems. If um, in uncircumcised men, a really tight foreskin or um, any sort of surgical tearing or scar tissue or inflammation, infection, anything like that um, can also cause pain, especially as that erection grows and that foreskin kind of gets tighter and tighter and tighter. Um, So that can make some, um, can definitely make any sort of erection very painful. Yikes. That sounds painful. Um, well, where's the next one? Any sort of lesions or growths or anything like that, especially prostatitis. That was a big one that kept coming up over and over um, when I had to get real specific and look specifically for pelvic pain in men. A lot of what comes up is uh, chronic prostatitis. And, and, for, and I don't know if this is 
unfortunate or fortunate. Again, the research just isn't there. Um, but chronic prostatitis and chronic pelvic pain in men are very often just lumped into one thing. Just very often you'll see them hand in hand. Like every research, that article that I've seen says chronic prostatitis slash chronic pelvic pain syndrome or chronic prostatitis and chronic pelvic pain and everything like that. And it's just like, okay, the prostate isn't the only thing that can cause pelvic pain in men. Like we've talked about, it can be muscle spasms. It can be the pudendal nerve. It can be surgical intervention. It can be scar tissue. It can be a million other things. Um, I mean, it's like saying that, you know, endometriosis is the only cause of pelvic pain in women. Right. Like, not even close. Right. Not even close. So again, the research just isn't where I want it to be. And I want to give you guys so much more information, but it's just, it's just not there. And it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. Um, but again, you can have pain with men. It can be um, pain with erection. It can be pain with anal penetration. I haven't seen much about penile pain. Penile? Penile? Penile. 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 Not penal. It's a penal <laughs> system. <laughs> I'm going to get my words right here. You're I haven't amazing, seen. Sweetie. <laughs> doing really well. I have not seen much about penile pain with penetration so like if the male is the one doing the penetration is there penile pain with that I have no idea I don't know I haven't found anything if you know please tell me please message me at pelvic service announcement on Instagram what I've seen more of I mean not what I've heard more of and seen in the research is that pain with climax for guys because that's when they get that pelvic floor that rhythmic muscle contraction um, if those muscles are spasmed mm-hmm. and you add more contractions on top of that, that's not going to be comfortable. That goes for men and women yeah. as well. Oh, that ghost. I don't know if y'all heard it on the recording, but the ghost slammed the door again. Oh my goodness. We Hopefully should. we don't get interrupted this time. Oh yeah. Last time Rachel was like, what, what did you say? I was talking. Oh, she was talking about, <laughs> talking about foot size. Foot size correlating, not correlating to... Um, we were talking about growers versus showers and And this this grown man man just walked into the room hi hey not that we're embarrassed to talk about it all just what we do however just under the circumstances probably not what he was expecting to hear on a tuesday morning to be fair i think he was more uncomfortable than either of us were so probably he looked very surprised to see us in here anywho Anyway, lots and lots and lots of different things that can cause pelvic pain with sex. And again, this goes for penetration. This goes for stimulation. This goes for climax. This goes for after climax too. Mm -hmm. I have some patients that are like, I'm fine all throughout penetration, oral sex, everything's fine. But afterwards, after I've climaxed, after the penetration is over or the stimulation is over, that's when I have pain. That's when I have cramping. That's when I have tightness. And again, that kind of goes into dyspnea as well, where we can, we can treat that. We can treat that. So again, you are not alone. You are not alone. Please do not just suffer through this because it's even if it starts off just as discomfort and then maybe it's it's like sex just isn't comfortable for you anymore don't settle for that Mm -mm. and I what breaks my heart is a lot of people don't know what to do with it because it takes an emotional toll it really does I've had patients it literally has wrecked their marriage Mm -hmm. and I'm not 
now not saying that it was right but they literally got a divorce because she had pain with inter- and this is what she told me she had pain with intercourse for so long so she didn't want to have intercourse so he had an affair and they got a divorce that breaks my heart now i'm not saying there wasn't other factors but and i'm not saying if you have pain with sex you're going to get a divorce but the reality of this is it's not just like an injured knee where it hurts right there's so many psychological factors it can affect a relationship it can take a toll on you on your relationship on your mental health so get help for this we don't ever want to like so many people are, are embarrassed or there's a fear of talking about this don't be don't be a couple of treatment sessions being uncomfortable are worth the effects in the long run and I just talk to anyone who's had that problem and has gotten over it because you can go from pain with sex was excruciating for 20 years to now you have an orgasm every time and sex is phenomenal beautiful so do not settle do not feel alone mm-hmm. do not feel embarrassed get help I always tell my patients like sexual intimacy is a very big component of any adult healthy consensual relationship it's a big part of it that's just it just is and when you have problems there whether it's you know problems performing or pain or discomfort or any you know any difficulty surrounding that physical intimacy at all it does take its effect on your relationship especially if one partner is feeling fulfilled and the other one isn't or one is in pain and the other one is actually being the one causing that pain whether they know it or not whether they're intending to or not it's it sucks it's hard it's really really hard and so for some of my patients that have like excruciating pain with sex i'm like okay let's take a break Mm -hmm. let's take a break let's not have you know tell your partner we're backing off on the penetration side of things especially if that's the you know the component that's the most painful like let's just take a break for it from it mm-hmm. for a while we'll see how we do in therapy we'll give these muscles some time to just kind of relax and calm down because again it's going to take its toll on your relationship if it hasn't already and most of them are like yeah no we're miserable like it's definitely taking its toll like we fight about it or you know we both feel and it gives you really conflicting emotions about it too yeah. which is again another reason why you should all go to therapy so <laughs> Well, and that's what I want people to understand when you come in here. We realize that. We realize it's so much more than just yeah. a muscle dysfunction. When it comes to pain with sex, that's why we're going to ask a million questions about mm-hmm. it. Because we we are not so far removed from the real world that we don't understand the psychological Absolutely. components to this. Like, yes, we are all about the muscles and we focus on the muscles, but we get that you've got to treat the patient as a whole. So there's so much more that goes into it than that. We have our training, we have our doctorate degrees in physical therapy. And so I cannot tell you how many times I recommend cognitive behavioral therapy to other patients, just because there is so much more of a psychological component that goes into pain, especially pain with sex that I'm like, I... I read this book called Body Keeps the Score. <laughs> it's really good. That's about the extent of my psychological training. I minored in psychology. Have I used any of that since my senior year of college? No. So I would argue that you probably use it every day. I probably use it more than yeah. I think I do. But And I have a patient. We talk about, okay, what did you talk about in therapy? 
how did you and I'll tell her so I'll give her tools so it's like okay this is what I want this is my goals I want you to work towards with your partner whether and it's some form of communication communication about intercourse and then she will go to her therapist and have like practice conversations on how to bring that up to her partner that's beautiful and so what we work on like the physical aspect. This is where I want you to be. This is kind of the goals. And she will go to her therapist and work on the emotional, like how do we, how do I feel about this? What's the best way to approach it? How do I talk about it with my partner? And it, it just all works together. And it really does. Yeah, I've had a few patients like that too, where it's just like, so my therapist told me to try this and I'm like, that's brilliant. I'm going to kind of build on mm-hmm. that. And then she'd go and tell her therapist, be like, okay, this is what my PT told me to do. And he'd be like, great, we're going to build on that. And so it was just kind of this Everyone back and together. forth and just working together of, again, getting the psychological component as well as the physical component too. And it just, it helped just take everything to the next level. I will also say if there's not, if you don't have a massive psychological component, most of the time this isn't that hard to treat. Yeah. It's really not that hard to address. So don't feel like it's going to be something that's this major difficult endeavor. It's it's really not that hard to treat. So don't don't settle, don't suffer in silence. But with that being said, If you have pain with sex and you're not ready to come into therapy, I just want to give you a couple of practical tips. Diaphragm breathing is huge. Before, Before, during, after. Giving those muscles as much of a chance to relax as possible prior to penetration is going to be huge. Relaxing totally with initial penetration. So I'll tell people, go about your foreplay as normal. Do your diaphragm breathing first, but then go about your foreplay as normal. Then when it comes to actual penetration, especially if your pain is with penetration, try to relax completely with that initial penetration. You're starting, you're giving those muscles the best chance possible starting position to continue throughout the duration of your intercourse. So try to relax as much as possible. And that may take some communication. Like if you have that vaginismus or that tightening response, it's like Rachel said, it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to rip that bicep. You may have to tell your partner, okay, sorry, give me a second. Let me breathe. Maybe let's go back to the foreplay. Let me try to relax a little bit more. And then if you can do that, then just go about foreplay or intercourse as normal. And that should help. Other than diaphragm breathing, happy baby stretches before if you don't know what that is just look up happy baby yoga combined with the diaphragm breathing child's pose is awesome there's something called sphinx pose that's really good trying to think of some others those are my yeah those are my big ones even just like a pigeon pose we love yoga here in case you can't tell (laughs) all of these are like yoga poses um I tell my patients, I'm like, yeah, those yogis, they really know what they're talking about. So um, any sort of like hip openers are really, really good. Hip 90-90s. Hip 90-90s are my favorite thing in the entire world. Not only does it help to relax the pelvic floor muscles, but you also get a lot of really good hip mobility and kind of a warm up for the hips as well, which is super important when you're having sex. And especially if positionally what positionally what position wise you're on top you need some hip mobility to do the things up there deep squat deep squat we need to make a reel with all these we do video or these poses but Mm, coming soon yeah 
these are all going to be just help put you in the help increase your chances for success or no pain with intercourse so and granted we know that it's not super sexy to be like all right babe hang on a second let me get a good warm-up in let me get a good stretch in before you have intimacy however again positive positive input that's what we want we want that positive input time and time again and if you are able to stretch and relax those muscles before any intimacy before any sexual input you're like kelly said you're gonna be at a better setting yourself up for success with that positive input and pain-free sexual participation you're gonna put those muscles in a more advantageous position but have your partner do the stretches with you make it fun be like hey babe let's do our sex stretches like didn't you have one patient that like did it in lingerie in front of her husband yes (laughs) yes she did and i was so proud i had never been more proud of a patient in my life she was like yeah i just did all my put on my lingerie and did my stretches and that's how like he knows That, that was her form of initiating that's amazing i love it like make it fun this doesn't have to be this doesn't have to be clinical yeah i mean it's yoga yoga's hot anyway yeah Throw on some lingerie. Do it. Do it naked. Yeah. Have fun with it. Because then you both are thinking about it the whole time. So exactly. So you're getting that arousal response. Builds up the anticipation. Going. There you go. All right. So I did my patient win earlier. What's your patient win? I am so excited about this one. I have so many this week that I really. It's hard for me to pick just one, but. This one in particular was a really, really big one. So I had this patient. She was sent to pelvic floor PT for dysmenorrhea, which we've kind of talked about a little bit, but she had excruciating periods. I mean, excruciating nine to 10 out of 10 pain, doubled over, could not get out of bed, vomiting. She was in so much pain. Like I'm talking to the extreme pain all the time when she was on her period. And so that's why she was sent to pelvic floor physical therapy. And the birth control that she is on, she only gets her period every couple months because of how painful they are. Like there's no point in her being in that much pain every single month. So she only gets her period, I think every three to four months. And so she had just ended her last period when she first started to see me. And so we were kind of like waiting. I was like, that's okay. Like that gives us a lot of time to address that muscle tension and see what's going on and work on what we need to work on. That way, when your next period comes around, we've had a good bit of time and we can kind of see, see where we're at, see what's going on. And she was so skeptical, so skeptical about pelvic floor physical therapy and she told me she was like I did not believe a word you said she was like I thought this was going to be super weird I was super uncomfortable with it just from the beginning and it took a while for us to kind of you know work together get that rapport established which you know we understand that for sure um I saw her last Friday a couple days ago just her demeanor the way that she just even just held herself walking from the lobby back to the treatment room. Like I wish I could, I wish I had the words for it, but she looked like a completely different person. She held her head higher. Her shoulders were back farther. Like she just had this air of confidence about her. And I'm kind of like sitting there and I'm like, I knew she was going to be on her period soon. So like, I'm wondering like what's going on. Like, did it happen already? And I don't see her 
every single week. I see her every couple weeks. And so we get back to the room and I was just kind of like, well, and she goes, Rachel, I had my period last week, maybe a two out of 10 pain. Maybe she was like, and that was at the worst of it was a two, a freaking two. We went from a 10 out of 10 pain with her periods to a two. And like I said, like you could just tell her whole demeanor changed. Her outlook was different. Her body language was so different. And she was just like, I cannot thank you enough. Like my mom wants to bring you flowers. And I was like, oh, I like roses. Thank you. Uh, no, I didn't say that, but still it, it was just, it, brought me so much joy and so much happiness for her just to see that change. Such a big change. That's why I love this. I freaking love my job. That's amazing. I love my job. And it was just one of the most beautiful moments we had. And like, she started to get a little bit emotional. I'm like, you're going to make me all get, get all emotional. And I'm not an emotional person. Like, if you know me, I am, I just, and it was such, such a surreal moment. It's such a privilege to get to do what we do. And to see that change, mm-hmm. like, ugh, it's, it's the best. It's awesome. I love that. That is such a good win. Mm. I love it. <sighs> I was excited when you told me about it. And I've heard this one before, but I'm still excited. I really again. almost like put it on our Instagram because like, I don't even want to wait to share this patient <sighs> win. Like, this is just the best thing ever. And it's your period should not be 10 out of 10 pain ladies it they really shouldn't and again it's one of those things that we can treat one of those things that we can help with I mean we went from a 10 to a 2 like that's insane it's huge and that was in three months maybe seeing her every other week that's huge that's crazy oh I love it it's good stuff um PSA for this week I know I said it was to go to therapy, but I'm going to build on that. (laughs) If you have pain with sex, you are not alone. Mm -mm. 50%, 20 to 50%. That's half. That's, uh, yeah, that's insane. So it's not just you. It's not just you. You're not broken. And there is treatment for you. So that's all we got. But thank you for listening. We are Pelvic Service Announcement. You can follow us on Instagram at Pelvic Service Announcement. Send us your questions. Send us your topic ideas. Send us pictures of your babies. I don't know. Send us everything. So we will see you guys next week. Bye.